0: Hey guys i'm chris and i'm mike
1: and welcome back to this week's no limits a mid rap
0: podcast or our new name the mid rap podcast right yes indeed and before you ask me how i'm doing chris i'm gonna turn it over to you let's hear how you're doing and please tell us about the new rap baby yes we have the new official I'm calling it the newest,
1: official, youngest rap fan, uh, because anyone in my house has to be a rap fan. I've even gotten Caroline. She's, she's starting to read American Assassin, so we can have her on on the American Assassin pod. But yes, we had a uh, little baby Adeline last uh, Friday. She's a week old now. So yeah, it's been great. Not much sleep, but you know.
0: Yep. yep. Congrats, man. Congrats on the third. That was such Thanks. great news to hear. Yeah, it's been fun, so. Keep the pictures coming.
1: I wanna yeah, see them. I'll try. I, I it was funny. I was I was getting ready my uh you know, Instagram post on the New Baby and I happened to be on the Mitchrap Pod Instagram feed.
0: And I was like, ooh, I, I need to take I, I can't I can't post that out of there. <laughs> Wrong one. <laughs> Wrong one. So let's get her uh, a Mitch Rap Pod onesie. I know we're selling oh. T shirts and hoodies. We gotta see if we can uh whip something special up for her in a few months here. I'm already, already working on that. I definitely need to get that. And you, I, you might see that on the Mitch Rapp pod feed, so <laughs> stay tuned. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Well, here we are. It's getting pretty late in January. This will actually be our final January episode. Believe it or not, next Monday is February 1st. So you still have a week. If you would like to sign up for our January book giveaway... This is open to all of our listeners. I'll be giving away one of my autographed copies of Consent to Kill. Uh, to be entered, simply subscribe to our email list at mitchrappod.com and click on the sign up for No Limits email updates. Once you sign up and get confirmed to receive our occasional emails and newsletters, you, your name will be put in for one entry of the Consent to Kill autographed book giveaway, We'll be picking that name on our February first episode. So jump in, get to the website, and sign up. Yes, yes, we already had like sixty people sign up for that uh,
1: that email list. So nice turnout. Um, also, want to mention, I finally got my uh, Teespring order, which was nice. Gave my dad his uh, his Navy mitrap Pod official uh, hoodie. It fits quite nicely, three X. So you know, anyone our bigger followers out there want want to know. It fits nicely if anyone is interested in in getting one of those you can go to our com, hit the little teespring button and help us support the pod in a little way and get some cool swag
0: so all right while we're on it talking about our listeners let's give a couple more shout outs here for contributors of the hashtag bundled up bernie <laughs> this meme is freaking crazy it
1: i love it viral so fast like, so I, I, do you, have you heard of Brew dog? No. Is that a brewery? They're, they're a brewery out of Scotland, but they have like, they're in Ohio now and they're nationwide. They've even, so like, you know, the, the shade of the mittens that Bernie's wearing, like the, 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 the like <laughs> oh, brown. And, yeah. <laughs> so they've now made a beer and the can is that like mitten color. And That's excellent. They have like three names that they just uh, posted on their Instagram. You, you can go follow BrewDog uh, US, and they posted three names that they're going to name after this meme. Like that meme is <laughs> a, not even a week old, <laughs> or is it a week old? I, no, I don't even know. I don't know. Time time is relative right now, but like that. <laughs>
0: That's good. The camera roll because it's Wednesday, so it's it's it's. Oh yeah, the inauguration was Wednesday. The camera roll on my phone, I have at least twenty because every time I get a good one, I just automatically save it and send it out to everyone I know. I'm just I'm a sucker for these. This is pretty good. You know, it's viral when my grandma is sending me them. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had to get in on the action. So, on the Mitra Pod social media accounts, we posted Bernie holding his copy in the mittens of consent to kill yes. and we asked you the followers to caption it give us your best caption well chris did you get any good ones on instagram
1: yeah i got one on instagram and it was uh it said i should have a ter- I should have agreed to term limits which was- I, th- I thought was pretty funny
0: <laughs> considering he's been in for a long time <laughs> yeah the best one i got uh, was on twitter it's from Topwater Assassin at 96 Citadel Dog. Don't know your first name, but Topwater Assassin on Twitter says, "Mitch, you have my consent to kill anyone that makes fun of my mittens." That's awesome. <laughs> the best I can come up with. I just got to put it out there. I had, "Anyone have Louie's number? Asking for a friend." That's awesome. But, um I- I like yeah, that so one. shout out to What was it? Water Assassin? Must be a fisher. At 96 Citadel Dog, D-A-W-G on Twitter. Thank you for that good laugh. DM us if you want some stickers. Yeah, we'll send you stickers if you want to shoot us a message for winning that little contest. Well, Chris, let's get into it. What content are we going to be covering today? It's finally time. For what? Yes. So we hope you enjoyed last week's uh, sort of impromptu...
1: Uh, interview discussion with the great Kyle Mills and we were able to talk about this book a little bit and a lot of the plot lines that we're going to finish up today in our second half uh, pod on consent to kill we're going to give you our final takes on the book winners and losers and always our covers discussion so really excited to talk to you today about um the second half of this book, and you know, before we get in, I just uh, in our little we do a little pre pod discussion um, before all these, and one of the things I brought up to to Mike was, you know, sometimes we malign some of the Vince Flynn books where they have we've we've referenced where like it's like two stories or like almost two books, but in that sense, when we were talking about that, um, it's like two books that don't agree with each other, mm-hmm. but here. I think, and I don't know if you agree with me, but that there are two books here. But it's almost like, like you you had mentioned, that it's Act One and Act Two. Like there, yep. you could literally tell two different stories, or or break this up into two different books. And you know, it is the longest, fl- sorry, longest Flynn novel out there. And I think each of them stand on their own, leading up to Anna and the assassination attempt on rap's life, and then following it up with the aftermath of that and rap going on, on this revenge kill culminating with the epilogue, which we're going to probably spend a decent amount of time on today. I don't know this, the second half of this on the reread, I really enjoyed the second half of this book.
0: Yeah. The best I could explain is act one and act two, which if they were two separate books that could have worked in one long book, I think Kyle, when we talked to him, was right that it's often hard to have a 700-plus page thriller that keeps your right. attention. Keep, keep the reader engaged. But Vince does that. Yeah, keeps the reader engaged, but he does that here. So pulls off these two two stories in one. And just to get a little more specific about where we're going to be going today, the first act was everything up to the explosion. The whole getting the Saudis involved and them contacting this German banker, Abel who was then going to go through Petrov and then was going to hire the Goulds. It was basically a lot of setup, but it was in such a compelling way that led to the explosion at the pinnacle of action. Well, in the second story, we see the fallout of that, really a lot of psychological fallout. So yes. we're going to be talking about the Goulds and their relationship after this. We're going to be talking about Rap's recovery, uh, how it's affected Irene and Scott and pretty much everybody. And being a Flynn novel, we're going to talk about the political fallout. Of course, we're going to see the director of national intelligence with the national security advisor and the attorney general all advising the president on should we let Rap be a loose cannon out in the field? Should we rein him in, try to control him? (laughs) Never a good idea, but some elements of the government are going to try. And then perhaps my favorite part is the revenge plot. The yes. last, I guess you can call it the last fourth of this book is just seeing Rap. And once he is back on his feet, checking what's going to happen. Off box. Yeah. Checking and how names is he going to check those names off? And um, that's where we're going to wrap up today with uh, Rap's revenge leading to this very powerful epilogue. So why don't we jump right in? <laughs>
1: So when we last uh, left Brad, the explosion just gone off Anna had been killed along with his unborn baby. And we first meet Mitch when he, you know, opens up his eyes. He's like, you know, doesn't know where he is, doesn't really recollect what's happening. Irene is there obviously to meet him and she has the unfortunate duty of telling him what has happened. I don't know, in, in, especially in this chapter and in a couple of chapters preceding this, we see a different side of Rap. A lot of emotional depth that I feel like we've never really encountered. You know, even at one point he says, you know, when he's he's been placed on these uh, like psychomeds and and different things where he needs these things, and he goes through these waves of anger and regret because he thinks that or. I mean, he knows that he's the reason why Anna is dead, right? Yeah, and that's the reason why he doesn't. In the end, he doesn't even show up at her at her memorial service because he feels so bad. And I want to talk to you. Uh, I want to touch on that a little bit later. But it's interesting mm. the way Vince is able to tie in this other side of rap that we you know rarely see. And I, I don't even think we maybe we get it a little bit later in a couple of books with Claudia and and and. and uh, Anna, you know, the baby who he saves at the life at the end of this novel, which is really great. I actually really enjoy how Kyle is sort of brought at 180, brought Anna back into the fold a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, so we have Mitch. He's, you know, in a dark place. <laughs> in a very dark place. The second thing we see is that all the people in Mitch's life who mean something, who like, or mean something to him and they mean somebody to the, to, the, to them. Come to his aid, you know. Yeah, we go to the house and we have FBI's there. McMahon's on the case and immediately. Scott and Wicker show up and they do their own little private investigation. Uh, determine that and Wicker. I, I freaking love Wicker. I Wicker love has this. to Wicker yeah. has to be one of my favorite like sub characters. Yes. You know, he's been in a bunch of the novels. And then finally, I think it's in this book that uh, Scott says he finally got him out of the um, military and, you know, he's he's full time with the the yeah. SEAL demolition crew. Don't forget but, Skip, though,
0: because oh, yeah, no, Skip de- with don't the FBI, Skip. he's on the scene and he's playing, you know, Skip is so good in a lot of ways, but he's playing this balance of we can't be seen as the feds coming in and taking over and running this scene because that will cause a controversy with the locals. But Skip is going to kind of be doing overwatch here, making sure the locals don't screw this up, because the locals and the fire marshal are already saying, that's an accident. Some bozo must have kept gas in the garage too close to the house, you know, storing gas for the boat or the lawnmower. And you know what? That's next to the propane tank, so you know what? We're just going to rule this an accident. And Skip is kind of poking and prodding, trying to make sure that we get the full picture. And someone who can poke and prod pretty forcefully is uh, Coleman. And so Coleman shows up with Wicker. He starts you, working with Skip. Did you
1: notice mm-hmm. that slight little line that Vince puts in where like it's the the first interaction between Skip and Coleman's like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Like, you know, yep. because obviously they had this whole tension of they were the two main characters, I guess, in Term Limits, right? Term you Limits, know? yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and Coleman was, I guess you could say, a pretty a bad guy or or doing the very illegal things. Yeah. Yeah, Assassinations. I guess what, what brought them together was Stansfield at the end of term limits, realizing Coleman could be an asset in the CIA. And yeah. So Stansfield is kind of like this peacemaker bringing Coleman into the field and saying, you can use your anger, your revenge and channel it through the CIA to accomplish some things, some ends that you really think are important. Right. Um, yeah. Love that line. I love them being together because what it culminates in is Skip being able to let Coleman and Wicker kind of lead the investigation in this kind of covert way. Um, but also Skip is able to let the locals feel like they're running the show. So it's not going to cause right. controversy and right. internal you know, conflict. But that allows um, Coleman to find out there was an accelerant when Skip brings him to the fire marshal. And so now Coleman's like, there was an accelerant used. So we know somebody who was trained in explosives and understood this. Jerry rigged it and set it up. And Coleman is also like, rap would never keep gasoline close to propane in the house. So now Coleman's putting the pieces together. And while he's doing that, Wicker just kind of scampers off. Wicker's like, look, there's woods across the street or down at the end of the cul-de-sac. And he sees the, the grass pushed over. And so no one is looking for this, but Wick sees tall grass pushed flat, and he follows it in, and he realizes it's a bike track. It's just thin enough for a bike. And then in a little bit, he sees a wide area of grass pushed open, which was just enough for a man to kind of lay down with a bicycle. Right. And then he follows the bike tracks, and he just takes off running through the woods. Uh, you know, I could just imagine him, like, sniffing around, kind of just pause, scan. <laughs> Continue. And ultimately, he says, I found a spot. Someone got away on a bike. They had a van parked there. They loaded up in the van, got out of there, hightailed it this way. So we definitely have someone who was on the getaway right after this. They put that together, and they tell Skip, hey, feed to the locals a little story that rap's dead. Right, right. And they're like, but what? that's not true. We know he's not. And Coleman's like, if Follow they think the he's dead— They'll, we can follow the money. They'll get the payoff. The assassin will will move the money. Then on our timetable, when we release or the media finally catches up that he's not dead, we could see that same amount of money backtrack going and be back. returned because yeah. they're going to demand it back. And this is genius. Absolutely. And genius. this is
1: that's exactly what Marcus ends up doing to to find some of the money with, with Abel yep. later on. Yeah, no, I know. I love the... His wicker walks back. He's like, one person, like five ten, one bike, followed yep. it however many miles or whatever, then that leads to it leads to a truck, this this kind of tire, like and <laughs> a G? Scott's like, yeah, that man could track like
0: anything anywhere. Oh, I, love I love that. That's awesome stuff. I guess the only other thing to address as fallout, if you will, of the explosion is what the Goulds are up to. <laughs> Right. And we know Claudia is extremely upset hearing that Anna is dead, but maybe even more upset that Louis shows no remorse. So now she's wondering, how was I involved in killing somebody, but how am I involved with someone who doesn't even feel bad about killing an yeah. innocent person and knowing she was pregnant?
1: Yeah, Claudia didn't know that she was pregnant at the time, Louis, but Louis did, and he withheld that information from her. That's right. That's right. And the way like Vince sort of tells it is, he makes it seem that if Claudia had known, she wouldn't have gone through with it. You know?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I wanted to go back to it because I jumped the gun and brought it up in the in the consent to kill part one. How Louis reacts, and obviously, right? He's a douchebag. He oh, yeah. he, he he blames her. You know, he he tells her get over your hormones. He's, he he starts yelling at her. He realizes he shouldn't yell at her. He should leave. But it's much more manipulative. He's walking out, but he walked out threatening her. If you want to go your separate way and you're not here when I get back, I'm fine, whatever. And he's like, I know by threatening her and saying that, it will make her come around and look at it differently because she won't want to raise the baby alone. She'll come back to me. And he walks out on her in such a fragile state. That's fucked up. (laughs) Yes, yes. Anyway, I guess just close that loop on uh, no one likes Louie. No. <laughs> Louie is, well, we
1: talked about it last time, but Louis is freaking crazy. And when he shows up again, I can't wait to talk about when he shows up again in the novels. I think that was a great play by bringing him back and allowing yep. Rap to like, eventually
0: kill him but uh, or yep. like allow him to, to die. But yeah, Louis yeah. Louis not a good guy. No. I, I read The Last Man recently, Vince's last book, and I think knowing Vince was... You know, basically coming to an end with his diagnosis, he brought Louis back for a purpose. Like, you know, he was doing that to close, purposely. To close that. that yeah, he that. had more of a story to tell with Louis. And I think it's brilliant that Kyle picked up on that. And obviously, Kyle wanted to end Louis and, and does, but he knew Vince brought him back for a purpose and he had to kind of close that out. Louis couldn't just be the shadow figure who does this, is let gone at the end of Consent to Kill, and we never hear from him again. Like, Vince knew he was going to wrap it up and Kyle got to wrap it up. So,
1: right, right. So, while this is going on, obviously, there's a bunch of other things going on, including, uh, you know, initially, like you said, McMahon and Coleman want to put out that he's dead. Uh, the idiot DNI, D&I, Director of National Intelligence or whatever, Ross, yeah. Ross, um, is buddy buddy with the prince uh and tells him secretly that Rap is not dead which has huge consequences later on you know yep. essentially like leads to everything that happens in the second half of the book this leads to Muhammad like Prince Muhammad freaking out puts him on his own schedule with Taib to kill not only the German but you know send Rap wants to now finish the job uh and kill Rap he contacts Abel and says you haven't well but also, Abel and Claudia eventually find out a couple of days later when they announce, oh, wait, Rap's not dead. That then triggers all these other reactions. But besides that, we have, you know, Rap recovering and he's moved from the hospital to the CIA safe house. We've seen this the facility. The uh, facility in Leesburg. The, in Leesburg. Black site. Actually, I think it was heavily. It was in the last book, moral Day, right? That's where they um, yep. got a lot of the information for the nuclear attacks. Yep. There's this one chapter where, you know, Rap is grieving very hard. And yeah. I mentioned this earlier, but I, I just loved, I guess I, I don't know if love is the greatest word, but I really appreciated seeing this other side of Rap and Flynn, like, showing that. And obviously, Rap just had his... Uh, wife get killed um, and it's even referenced later on about how you know I think Stephen brings this up you know you were you acted like this after Maureen died his yeah the high school or high school sweetheart who dies in Lock, the Lockerbie
0: attack and Rap's like
1: no this is different than that
0: you know this is huge we were kids you know we were teenagers college kids with Maureen and now you're an adult who has a life is married and was going to start a family, like Rap is trying to say. This is so different. Like this is deeper and darker than that. Yeah, I really think that the baby probably, you know, one ups it, you know,
1: because that is a game changer. I mean, yeah. we started this pod with me saying introducing my my third child into the world, and I, I could agree yeah. that it's. I would do anything for you know this kid that I've only known a week, and I'm sure yeah. you know Rap was even in the last pod we'd reference how rap was like really like the first time he's m- re- mentioned again, trying to get out. But I think the first time he said it, he was trying to get out that we actually believed him, you know? Yeah.
0: You know, so, just thinking about that, it's, it's so powerful and there's something subtle here that just came to me. Tommy is in the scene, right? Right. Like, it's per- and I think we that's see, yeah. And we see how good a father rap could be in a father figure, Tommy loves him. And Tommy is like, he wants to know if he's going to be okay. And he gives him this embrace. And he talks about, I brought my video game system because I thought that <laughs> would make you happy. And rap's like in his mind, that's the last thing I want to do. But he, he like tells Tommy, he goes, Oh yeah, that's really sweet. And like Steven, right. When Steven shows right. up, it's going to be a cute moment. And it's like, there's some bond between rap and, and Tommy, Tommy. that is like, he could have had that with, you know, his own baby, and um, yeah, that scene is purposeful. Yeah, yep, yep. It just, it just, it just pulls at something in you. And well, well, let's keep going because I want to get to the epilogue and 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 talk about powerful right, writing. Right. But we see perhaps the coolest action scene, maybe I've ever read, and certainly the most badass things we ever see rap do taken out a slew of guys at the facility. so just real right. quick, right. the facility where raps recovering is about to get hit. Taib, who's trying to tie up loose ends, you know kill mm-hmm. a bell so he can't be tied back to Saudi uh, royal family and kill rap. so this is one and done. Tayyib goes and contracts with a guy he's worked with before in MS13, a Salvadoran gang. He knows this guy because he he was doing with the Wahhabi extremists some prison work, trying to manipulate American inmates and radicalize them through support systems in prison in hopes that once they get out, they would rely on those bonds. And, you know, maybe they joined the Nation of Islam or maybe they truly converted. But he wanted to manipulate and use that to get them to do some of his dirty work as an assassin and a terrorist. So anyway, he contacts this guy he's worked with. He hires them, he says, I want RPGs, I want the heavy assault weapons, I want you guys, I want your best men. And they end up taking 13 guys to the house in Leesburg. And just a side note, Taib is going to distract the local authorities by hitting the police station. So it's kind of crazy because I, you know, and I'm sure you've been downtown yeah. Leesburg, some of the little well, restaurants and he, there and whatnot. And he sets up a grenade at a local coffee shop too. He throws off a grenade at a coffee shop, RPGs, the police station, and so they're out of commission. Allowing the terrorists to hit the facility. Yeah, the um, that scene, and you know, he
1: comes in. They take out these bodyguards, including like one of Irene's like long time, uh, you know, yep. personal protective people. And it it was actually this scene that I was thinking of when I was listening to your interview with with uh, Trot with with Michael Trot, mm-hmm. um, because you yes. know we we. I, I remember there is one scene in in a rap novel where the protective uh people of the director of the CIA the director get yeah get killed and they try to come in they realize this is not a normal house <laughs> it's fully you know barricaded they hit the door I think with two RPGs and, yep. and there's barely a hole so then he starts to take out the windows and then rap hears like one gunshot and is like his spidey sense tingles, you know? Yep. Yep. He gets Steven and Irene and Tommy to safety, and then he goes into full rap mode.
0: And this this whole action scene is, like, freaking awesome. Dude, I I reread this maybe four times. I wanted to savor every one of these rap kills and rap maneuvers, and it's absolutely brilliant. So if you don't mind, if you'll humor me here, I got a oh, list go of kills 1 through 13 and how this shakes down. We actually don't get much action in this That's
1: true. in this in this book. That's true. I mean there's like but little bits little bits of action but like,
0: you know, this is this is the big one. Yeah. Well, it all starts when Coleman shows up with a duffel bag and has some supplies for Mitch and he's obviously not supposed to give him a weapon officially, but he slips a Glock with a suppressor in there. <laughs> and there's also earplugs. And this is a pretty cool little tactic because obviously Scott and Mitch both know having your hearing is a huge advantage in any fight. I just thought that was an interesting thing to bring up. And then Rap, when his spidey senses tingled, says, "These guys aren't professionals. No, they're not trained." Something's not right because he's like they're using RPGs when instead they would use you know other charges, shaped, or breacher charges, yeah. shape charges to blow a door or blow a window or to gain entry. He knows they would be using suppressed weapons or not be making as much noise if they were trying to hit him because you got to be really good to do that. And so he's like, who are these guys kind of just making a big scene? Causes him to look out the window. All right, so he's got the suppressed clock. He goes down in the second story, down one of the hallways, leans out a window. His first four kills, he lines them up. He says he works, I think he works right to left, four headshots from the second story window. Knowing those will be recognized, he goes down the hallway, other side of the house, looks out the back. Here's two guys talking. Leans out the window, straight down from above. So I guess you'd call that a headshot, but maybe a <laughs> cranium or skull shot. He gets two guys straight down from above, 90 degree angle. That's behind the house. He realizes they'll be done looking at the front window, moves back down the hallway to the front window... And he stays a little bit further back. The first time he actually put a leg and an arm out the window, he said about one-third of his body was exposed. This time he hangs back for a long shot. So same Glock, he sees guys about 80 feet away, two bozos hanging out at a, the back of a Suburban, kills them, headshots at 80 feet, drops them. So we're up to eight kills. He knows from a first glance he's got at least four more guys to go. Because he, he estimated about 13. Does a mag change. Keeps the partial one. So we're talking 8 shots already. Keeps the partial one in his back left pocket. Knowing he's done what he can upstairs. He works his way downstairs. And he sees two holes in the door. One of the holes is not much bigger than a soda can. From the RPG shots. And he sees the guys moved over to the window. But he goes up to that door. Sensing it's safe. Puts a silencer through the door sees two guys eight feet away, puts a bullet through one of the guy's ears. His friend watches him fall to the ground, and that guy gets shot in the eye. (laughs) So we got 10 kills. We've had two straight from above. We had six random places in the face. We have an ear, and we have an eye shot. So that's the detail we got. He decides to move from the front door, knowing he's got attention there. But he knows there's two more on the porch, the guys who move from the door to the window, And he needs one of them alive. You know, he's gotta get some intel who hired them, who are they, because that's gonna lead to, you know, who took the initial kill on him and who were the assassins. He goes out on the back patio, realizes he doesn't know anything about what's around the garage, so he wants to avoid that because he has no data on it, couldn't see it from the window. Turns left, come around the side of the house that he's familiar with. Castillo, the leader of this Salvadoran gang who's who's leading the hit, looks at one of his men, sees his head explode. Castillo is showered in chunks of brain and skull. That's kill 11. Two to go. But he wants one of them alive. He realizes this Castillo is the leader. So he comes around the left side of the house. He hit that one guy kill 11. Castillo's watching his men fall dead. Castillo grabs his Uzi. But as he grabs his Uzi, I quote, his hand gets slapped away and that slap is a bullet shooting the gun out of his hand and as the gun's coming out of his hand he sees two more men kill 12 and 13 fall to the ground on his left and his right. Rapp purposefully killed everyone else with headshots hits this guy in the hand so he can subdue him and capture him and Vince writes as Rapp approaches quote, Castillo recognized the eyes they belonged to the man he'd been sent to kill. That's a scene. Oh my god.
1: Rap is fucking clinical in the scene. Clinical, man. It's vicious. Great. It's it just shows you what he can do. And this man literally just got thrown from the back of his house. Yeah. Like after into, knee surgery. We didn't after, even talk about <laughs> that. After knee surgery, orthoscopic knee surgery into the Chesapeake bay. Hit his right? Head, he, he, head hit his on the head. dock. And he's able to, not even like a couple of days later, and he's able to, boom, on a dime, <laughs> freaking take out 13. I mean, obviously, they're
0: amateurs. With but a still, Glock and two mags. But still. Two mags and a Glock. 13 shots. of uh, 14 shots, because he hit Castillo's hand. Uh, amazing. It's amazing. crazy. Great. And Kenne- Kennedy is even going to reference this later in a meeting. She's like, yeah, we saw the security footage, and I think it's Ross or the president are like, so where's rap now what did he do like where did he go at the end of the video and they're like he just walked away with one of the guys as captive and kennedy's <laughs> like i don't know where he went so don't ask me it's don't like all me. of this is on security footage a, a cia team comes in and boards up the house just I renovates know, and so it looks like, like nothing make went it wrong look like yeah yeah and they tell the neighbors who called in you know gunshots or an explosion that there were some fireworks for you know an event they were celebrating it's perfect It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, I I love that scene. I love that scene. As a thriller reader, I challenge you to find 15, 20 pages that you can just savor and enjoy. Not thinking like, if this were a short story and there were some stupid plot line of these guys want to come kill a man in a house. Sure, sure. I would have loved it. Just write a story about a guy killing all these people and some gang members are hired. It would be like, oh, that was fun. There's so much more depth to this book, yet we get this nugget of just pure enjoyment, you know, right in the middle after some of the darkest scenes. Right. No. No, I completely agree. But I agree. It's pretty cool.
1: Right. So while all this is happening, we have a couple of different things going on, right? So Washington. there's, obvious, there's some follow-up in Washington where, you know, Ross, being a dick, is... <laughs> He, he obviously thinks that rap needs to be controlled. Tells Irene, you know, we're going to r- remove his passport. We're going to do all these things. And, and realistically, none of that is going to ever stop rap. No. And Irene even says, like, in that meeting where Coleman gives uh, the bag, she's like, I'm not happy that you gave him a gun. But, you know, if you're going to do anything, you got to do it off book. You can't take my jet. You know, it's like. Yep. rap lives to do this stuff. He doesn't need a passport. He has a million passports that don't look anything like him. You know, like what is taking away his passport going to do? It's like oh, I'm going to take away his library card. You know, he can't check out books. <laughs> type type thing. <laughs> but secretly, and obviously, in this meeting, the president goes along with these people. But then one of his, uh, the director of the national security advisor tells yeah. Irene, "You're going to get reamed out." Just take it
0: and, but meet with the president afterwards in in the sit room. Yeah. So, Hake, out of this whole cabinet meeting, is on her side tipping her off when everyone else is going to gang up on her, you know? Right. D.N.I. Ross, Attorney General Stokes, and the crew. And then they meet in the sit room, and he's like, you know, sorry, you got to deal with that.
1: And this is one of the the times where we get the the title of the book. I give Mitch my consent to kill whoever. Yeah. None of these guys are going to go to trial. Uh, like, do whatever you have to do. This is also, I think, where we find out that he's not running for a second term. and That he has Parkinson's, yeah, yeah. which is uh, kind of crazy because I really like this president. Yeah. Um, it's a you know laying little breadcrumbs for like you know future plots, and yep. changing of the guard type thing. Yeah,
0: we get two really good quotes here. Like you mentioned, I just can't get away from this one because Attorney General Stokes who we kind of were set up to not like in Memorial Day, because right. he was scheming in Memorial Day, making it much harder to you know stop these nuclear attacks. He's siding with Ross here, and he says, quote, the last thing we need it is an employee of the CIA acting as judge, jury, and executioner. And Kennedy responds, I would actually say the last thing we need is someone getting away with trying to assassinate an employee of the CIA. Right. I mean, she's just... She's just on fire there. And the president is not playing, you know, off he's of her in this meeting. Anything. He's, he's kind of quiet. Anything. But in the back of her mind, she's like, that's what Hake told me. There's this meeting in the situation room afterwards privately. Let me wait. And that's where the president does say, quote, unofficially, he has my consent to kill anyone who had a direct hand in this. So, yeah, I like this president, too. But we hear he's not coming back. I know. He's not running.
1: Anyway. Anyway. So while that's going on, we also have the follow-up from Claudia and Gould. We mentioned that, you know, they sort of, Gould walked out, and Claudia all of a sudden has a conscience. Well, I mean, we kind of saw that she had a conscience, but she has an even bigger conscience. And she starts this whole dialogue with Irene. Uh, this allows them to gain information on a lot of the plot, allows them to track Abel, allows them to track the money... Uh, she sets up like a $5 million fund for, uh, in Rap's name, also allows them to, uh, allows Rap to like put the pieces in his mind because he remembers back to that day he was running with his, uh, and Yo. he pulls, he has like the Glock or the weapon in his uh, fanny, uh, fanny pack, pack. <laughs> Yeah, and she says something in French, and then he puts two together that, oh... It's a
0: girl and a guy and, you know, there's just these little breadcrumbs, these little foreshadowing things. And she was throwing up with morning sickness and they said she was pregnant and Rap hears from Kennedy that the lady in the emails is pregnant. she's pregnant, yeah. Well, and that's that's pretty important here. It's, like, I like these emails from Claudia and I was kind of like, what's she doing? But she also wants something because Kennedy's like, why are you telling me this? Why are you coming out with this? And Claudia goes... Because I want time. I know Mitch I is coming. I just yeah. want nine months. Please tell him, take the $5 million, just use that as the money I'm spending to buy, nine months to give my baby a shot, to give my baby life before he kills us. And that's, I mean, that's, that's also a breadcrumb that we're leading to a powerful ending. That made me think, right? Like, can we buy with $5 million dollars the chance to a second chance, right? right Claudia is essentially saying, I want a second chance, not for me, but for my baby. And here's $5 million. Just give me time to have, have the baby. And it's like, wow, it's, it's crazy. A play. It's a play. Yeah. It's a move. And she tells Louie, Louie's obviously not happy about it, but in the end, Louie, at some point he's like, I'm going to go kill rap. He walks out on her. He actually gets to an airport is about to try to get back to the U S and he says, screw it, I'm going to turn around, go back with Claudia. That was a pretty brilliant move because instead of tracking us, the assassins, now the CIA and rap's revenge will be getting a bell right. and kind of they can pin him for this and whoever they want to blame that way instead of being solely focused on us.
1: Right, exactly.
0: There's a little bit of a redemptive arc for Louis in, in, in this story. Tad bit. Tad.
1: Tad he, bit. Tri- he tries maybe. He tries. Yeah. So speaking of the revenge plot, you know, so after all of this happens, the attack on the house, rap gets away. We immediately cut to the beginning of Rap's sort of tear on getting back at the guys who killed his wife. Yeah. It starts, he first heads to Pakistan to Urda, the guy we saw in the last book um, where he picks up Wahid, who we saw in the last book as well. We find out that he is the son of the guy uh, Sa- Saeed, who, is the one who put the who paid uh, for yeah. the killing of Rab, uh, and he has a special plan for him. Rap then flies
0: to Saudi Arabia with Wahid. With Wahid, I I misspoke last time. By the way, sure, I said Wahid was dead, um, well, which we is thought he was dead. We thought the he was world, dead. yeah, the world was led to believe. Turns out he was in a CIA, you know, black site being kept, and Rap actually told him. Thanks for the information. I'll cut you a deal, and not kill you, and you know, cut all your fingers off and torture you. And so, Wahid was one of these rap didn't have a soft spot for because he hates a terrorist, but he was sure. somebody like at least keep him alive because he gave us this information. And who knows, maybe he'll be useful in the future. So, well, he he is pretty useful. In the, in he the- is very useful. So, rap <laughs> was right keeping him alive. Yes.
1: So we get first the re- revenge kill number one, where rap straps a. Big old suicide bomb to Waheed, walks him up to his father who's coming out from prayers and flicks off the camera in the way and blows him up, killing him and along with his father.
0: What did you think about Revenge Kill number one, Like, Well, one, I thought it was genius. He actually tells Coleman not to follow, because Coleman fly them to, I want to say, Qatar, or um, one One of the the nearby Gulf states. And Rap says, Coleman, you won't fit in. You can't cross into Saudi Blonde Arabia. Blonde hair, with blue me. eyed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty cool that Rap takes Wahid. I think he's covered under like groceries or like fish and ice to cross the border, um, pretending he's a grocer because, you know, he can talk the talk quite literally with his Arabic and, his, and having all the dialects down. Yeah. He pulls up outside this mosque, which is near the headquarters of. Saeed's telecom company of how he's you know got filthy rich being in the uh, Saudi royal family and he tells Wahid, he goes you're gonna walk to your father and I got sharpshooters if you dare do anything suspicious if you try to run if you look away if you tip anybody off these sharpshooters are taking you and your father and everyone else out it's pretty cool he gets Wahid to walk up right with the suicide vest Saeed the father is like oh my god I thought you were dead. And then Rap flicks off the security camera and it's the detonator. I love it. But, you know, we, we've we brought up on this podcast, does Rap just enjoy killing? And here, rightfully so, he he can savor it a little bit more because these are the people responsible. But at the same time, Rap ponders, if he uses suicide vest, other people on the street will Die or get maimed, right? Right. There will be, you know, fall, you know, um, collateral damage from this. But he rationalizes, they're coming out of a uh, Wahhabi mosque. They right. are the people who fund the terrorism. If they're with Saeed, they're no good because anybody in his circle is is doing these bad things. And so there is a quote that helps us understand Rapp's motivations here. He says, "Quote." Rapp has always done everything in his power to make sure innocent people did not get caught up in the violence, but today would be a test of that. These men were the enemy after all. They were the Wahhabis who constantly called for jihad and cheered the beheadings of innocent civilian contractors in Iraq. Men who kept their wives locked up at home, men who had probably cheered the death of Rapp's wife, the thought of them celebrating the murder of his Anna tested all restraint. Rapp decided that he would visit upon these pious men The same type of ugly, brutal mayhem they so glibly sponsored. That just tells us, like, even where Rap is rightfully deserving of revenge and doing whatever the heck he feels is the way to make up for this gruesome act, he still in his mind is evaluating, well, are they really innocent? If they are innocent, maybe I'd I'd correct course. But he realizes they're all jihadis, so they're all going to go. But, But having that thought in the back of his mind to me, it means something, that he's not just a cold killer. It
1: it shows us that he's thinking about it, because I think if, like, let's say it's not Saudi Arabia, let's say he's in Switzerland, or he's in the UK, right? Rap doesn't do this plot. He doesn't do a suicide bomb on a crowded street. Yeah, exactly. No, he doesn't do this plot. But because of where it is, Vince shows us that Rap is actually thinking about it. He's not just, like, a cold-blooded revenge killer in this exactly. moment. So we sort of bring back back to life or back to reality a little bit, you know, like not, Yeah, he's not just this, you know, on a rampage type. I mean, he is on a rampage, but like a coherent rampage. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And so kill number two. Yes. I felt this is one of the parts of the book I felt was out of place a little bit. Cause there's a lot going on to track oh, down a, about. a lot,
1: a lot going on, lot going but on. let's try to condense it. Right. Sure. Sure. So first we get Irene, who I love the badass scene where she like takes a sixteen hour fl- sixteen hour round trip flight yes. to Switzerland, puts the pressure on these Swiss bankers who are all about you know confidentiality, uh, and gets a lot of information from them. Right. Yep. Then using that information, when we find out Abel, he never got onto that cruise ship. He's been all of his money's been taken away. Yeah. Uh, he even calls the prince. The prince is like, "Oh, come to Saudi Arabia. I'll help <laughs> you. No, I'm going to kill you." Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> And then, so both, and then obviously the prince is also trying to kill him. So he sends Taib, who failed his mission in the killing United Rap. States, yeah. comes back, has to make up for that by killing a bell before Rapkin can, can get to them. And then this guy, he obviously had this office with Greta. Um, it's interesting that Vince, Vince uses the name Greta here because Greta is an important character in, different character, obviously, but in, in Killshot, right? Like, almost... Might might have been Rap's lover. At, yep. We never saw the continuation of that. So interesting yep. choice of, of, I guess it's a common name. But anyways, so Rap goes, they don't find anything in in Abel's house. He goes and they start to look at his office. Meanwhile, Taib has kidnapped Greta, takes her to the office, rapes her, which is a pretty in, intense part of the book. Well, uh, allows has, his men has, to do so. Yeah, has his men yeah. uh, rape her. And then we have this team comes in, is able to incapacitate and take out some of these guys, but also stun and and save Greta and and take Taip hostage. Also, I like this
0: one character. Uh, he's in Milt. Like a couple chapters. Milt. I yeah. really like Milt. I wanted to see more of Milt. Milt, the name Milt is talking about names and different characters at different stages. Milt is two for two with Vince. We had Milt Adams in Transfer yes. Power. Yes. Yeah. I knew
1: that name was familiar. The Marine yes. and
0: Architect. And now, what is it? Milt Johnson or something? something Who like does the surveillance? Yeah. He's the hit team in surveillance and for getting them into the office. Yeah. yeah. Lamplighters, the British will call them.
1: But he's able to track the uh, that this guy um, had a Mercedes. Who, <laughs> it's funny. Like he says, "Oh, all new Mercedes have this like GPS track." This GPS. Immediately, the next chapter it starts with like Abel didn't worry about driving. picking up his driving because he knew that his car wasn't bugged. Uh, I that, <laughs> that was just a little funny, like, like line that, that Vince threw in there. Yep. And Raps able to head head off with Taib in tow Abel at his this Alpine mountain house. And I thought it was like pretty ballsy of yep. uh, a bell to like go to the grocery store and buy like food. And you he's know, thinking like, about staying. He's like, do I stay yeah, a night? Like, do I stay I the love night, this house. Drink my wine. Like, dude, you have Mitch
0: Rabka after you like, yeah, get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so he decides, nah, I better leave. He hits the safe because all of his money's been gone. He takes yes. the hundred K he has there He's like, okay, I guess maybe I should take this seriously and, and escape now. And as he goes out the door, he's got a gun pointed at his head. He's forced back groceries. inside. Yep. Yep. He's forced back inside. And I love this. Rap puts him and Tayyib up in front of the fireplace. And he's dangling the hot poker. And he puts their feet to the fire. And he wants to know who they are, who they work for, you know, who's paying them, where the money's coming from eventually puts the, the red-hot poker through, I think it's Tayyip's foot? Yes. Is it his foot? To freak out a bell and get him to start talking. He sings like a canary. And he says everything. He talks about... The prince. The and prince. Claudia. And and Gould. Claudia, and, or there's this couple, the French couple. I've been working right, with the woman right, right. and the money. I've been trying to get it from her. You were worth $20 million was the hit. I was going to get however much, $13 million of that, whatever it may be. He starts saying everything rap needs to know, that the last person he's got to get is Prince Mohammed bin Rashid, and rap has no more use for a bell. Well, how to get rid of him? We've already got some pretty cool kills in this book, but this might be the best. Scott is going through the groceries and the liquor cabinet and finds a $2,000 bottle of Louis XIII, <laughs> some good cognac. takes a couple of swigs. And then Rap has a better use for the cognac than drinking it. Pour it all over a bell, make a line to the fire, and light that bitch up.
1: He's like, this when was this house built? This wood's gotta be pretty dry. No, I'm I'm gonna light it on fire. And walks away. He just walks walks away.
0: Just let the man burn up.
1: This is a series of like, I don't know, from chapters like sixty nine to seventy nine. And they're just jam packed with information. Like yeah. it goes very fast in this this entire bit where just to get like one revenge kill. And so I don't know. It
0: it was it was fun, but it, a lot happens at once. A lot happens, yeah. Yeah. But that's uh two revenge kills, and the last one's really gonna be our who he has with him, completely damaged. He's I think broken his arm, he stabbed the poker in the foot, but he takes him with him and he finds out that the king is currently at a ceremony in Granada in Spain and there's this kind of like the the king has been talking about it for a little bit how he wants to reconquer muslim lands and to him that includes you know europe spain. particularly southern europe and spain and he wants to you know reconquer and go back to the um the moors the domination of the moors and he's going to start doing that by splashing cash He's going to open cultural centers. He's going to buy out, you know, mosques that became churches and turn them back to mosques. He's going to right, open museums right, right. about Islamic heritage in Spain, and he's going to try to like sway public opinion and culture to understand Islamic history in Spain. And so that's his grand plan. But he's he's at stage one of dedicating, rededicating what was a church since I guess the 1300s probably, and rededicate it as a mosque and use that to sow, you know. Extremism in the community. While he's there, Coleman deduces who his security is. They're looking at these guys and they know they're well trained. They know they're not Middle Eastern and they see a lot of movements and insignia that hints British special forces. And Coleman says, I got a lot of contacts in that world. This must be a private company. He kind of figures out, nails down who it is, and he gives the office a ring says, hey, I own a company. I might need some contract work done. We can do business. He gets the head of the company, sits down with them, has a nice long chat. Rap is antsy. He wants to get going. But he lets Coleman do his thing. I think it's like, how did Coleman have an hour-long chat with this guy? But what Coleman was doing was getting some uniforms, building a relationship. And he told this guy, hey, the CIA would have a lot of work for your company, a lot of big contracts and security. If you help us out. And this was a really cool angle here of the guys who actually were tasked with protecting the prince were now told by the prince, kill rap if you see him. I I really enjoyed this scene and how the because the community is
1: strong, right? Exactly. The guy eventually just essentially walks away from his person protectee. And he knows that. All right. Well, one, that's not that's not good for business to lose a protectee. But he also knows that he knows Rap. Obviously, he knows Coleman too. But he definitely knows Rap. And he saw that Rap's wife was killed. And you know, this guy might have a wife. He knows that. You know, this business is crazy, and that is more important to him than the protectee. And also, yeah. he I think they they mentioned that he almost had a mutiny on his hands when he found yeah. out that one these were you know guys that were over fighting against them and two they get told oh here's fifty thousand dollars just to protect some saudi prince and then he get he shows up and they show him a picture of rap and be like kill this guy on site and it's like whoa, whoa, whoa this is the angel of death this is one of the leading counterterrorism assassins we had like the world has yeah. like i'm not just going to be able to kill this guy if he shows up you know
0: and they don't, so, no, the they, don't want, they don't want to there's also willpower. power they don't want to these guys you know signed up and basically sacrificed so much to kind of fight against islamic fundamentalism you know yes. i'm sure they were involved in a lot of different campaigns for that and now privately you know they get out to make money rightfully so they got some skills But they feel like they're betraying themselves by protecting a prince and killing who they would say was the good guy on the battlefield, an American operator, who they actually sympathize with for getting revenge for killing his wife. And so the whole thing goes belly up, and the prince's protection, he doesn't even know, is against him. This guy Higsby, who's working with Coleman, feeds him the uniforms. And so Rap, in the uniform that's supposed to be protecting the prince, is able to walk right up with Tayyib, and he starts telling the guards – this random guy showed up. He said he he wants to talk to the prince, and he said something about this is rap talking. He right. said something about the yeah, angel British. of death is here, and the guards freak the f out. They go on full alert. They start scampering, and someone has you know someone smart says, "Did you check him for explosives?" Knowing what just happened to Said uh, with the with the suicide vest, and Raps like, "Ah oh, shit, we're kind of blown a, a second too early." Rap says, forget about it, hides behind a pillar, blows Taib up with the vest, all the guards taken out, ball bearings, you know, ripping them to shreds. Then, talking badassery in this book, revenge kill number four, so Taib in the vest was number three, but you still gotta get the prince. Rap knows he's inside the mosque, he's behind the doors, they're right at the entrance, no one else around. He knows the prince just won't stay away. He's gonna be curious. He's gonna peek his head out. As soon as he does that, Rap pulls him out, pops him in the sternum with a knee. And when he's on the ground, Rap looks at him. One of the brothers of the crown prince, son of the king of Saudi Arabia, Rap pulls out a phosphorus incendiary grenade, cracks his degrees, teeth. Right? Yeah, cracks his teeth with it, shoves it down his throat. And in two seconds, this thing heats up to 2,000 degrees. And the last words of the book, it melted his head away from his body.
1: That was awesome. That's, that's it, man. Revenge cone number four. That was awesome.
0: Did you expect an incendiary grenade down the throat as the way Rap would get his revenge? Oh, no. I I, I thought he was going <laughs> to die with the bomb. I thought he was going to die with the bomb for sure. Exactly. This is so much better. <laughs> oh yeah, no, way, way, way better, way better. Le- leveling up, leveling up. Like all the things in thriller novels and kills, I just love the description. Melted his head away from his body. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can't even can't even
1: describe that. That was awesome. That whole sequence of like, you know, we get this little bit of reprieve, the hit on the house, and then boom, 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 kill one, two, three, four tying up loose ends goes really fast, really, really well paced and just quite enjoyable. Like a very easy reading. I really enjoyed that. And then finally we lead up to what I guess would be revenge kill number five and six. We get this epilogue, which I know Mike, I I want you to tell you, you mentioned many a time how you think that this is not only in the book, but in the, Rap universe or Flynn writing or in thriller writing might be some of the best writing you've seen.
0: Yep. They're the best storytelling by far, I think, anything Vince has put on paper. Just this epilogue, it's what got me to not just love rap novels, it changed the entire way I approach these stories initially right. how, you, how you think about them like they're not just like pop exactly. you know pop culture type things right yeah i'll be honest that's how i i approach thrillers and always have is they're fun books uh they're not going to get much out of them intellectually meaty stuff talk about them with friends you know be a lot of fun this is one of those moments when words on a page can really i, I mean i'll just say it it can change your life honestly sure. So why don't you tell us what happens, Chris, and then we'll just kind of talk about how how we both encountered and found it so emotional or so moving. So it's nine months or like what is what
1: is it exactly? Because uh, Vince writes it. It's nine it to the day. Nine months, one week, three days since Anna's death, and obviously they've been able to track Claudia and uh, Louis using. Pretty ingenious way, yeah, of putting a this uh, a need out, you know, or through the CIA system that these people are wanted for something, and they know that she's pregnant, so they send it to hospitals, and they have they don't track a bunch of the stuff, but essentially around seven months, they have to track down every lead. Finally, they get someone who says they had a baby who pretty much matches Claudia's description, and then they corroborate it, it's him. They could have been able to take them out a long time ago because they had Wicker sitting there watching them from afar. And Rap comes in. He sees Louis leave uh, for a run. Comes in, sees Claudia holding the baby, hears that the baby is called Anna. You know, they have this this dialogue that goes on, and and, and she pleads for her life. Uh, She pleads for the life of her daughter. Gould comes in. And sees rap and, you know, pleads, like says, I think he kind of knew that this was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I think they both kind of knew this was going to happen. Yeah. And I think they're both okay with it. They both just want, and that's one of the things I really liked about it. They both just want their daughter to live. They, they exactly. could care less about themselves. And I think Louis asks, let me just say goodbye to my daughter and let me just say goodbye to Claudia before he killed me. And then we see, like, something that I wasn't expecting at all, Rap just leaving, walking out to the beach, letting the the waves crash upon him, throwing his gun, head over head, into the water, and that's how the novel ends. The fact that he, you know, and he even says, like, as he's walking away, Wicker's got him, but if the guy has any sense, he won't he'll stay with that baby, he, right. he he won't come after me, and he doesn't, you know, we don't see that. And, I don't know, just the fact, I so we we referenced this in our last pod when we were talking to Kyle, and he said that he thought that this, this was a break of character. He thought that Vince, and I guess a lot of people out there also thought that this was very out of character for rap to not kill uh, Louie, Or or Claudia um, and allow them both to live, but I think but me and you both agree that it actually is part of his character. We've referenced it many a time how you know Rap doesn't like to kill. He doesn't kill for need, and in this moment, the whole Rap's like view on life
0: flips. Yeah, just listen to this. I mean, just some of these quotes. So let's just take. Claudia at first. Does he kill Claudia? Here's a line from it. Rapp wavered for a second and almost lost his nerve. He was struck how beautiful the woman was and how absolutely peaceful she and her young child appeared. Rapp kept the silencer leveled at the man's head. He wasn't going to kill the woman. Any thought of that vanished the second he saw the baby in her arms. And I agree. That's so in character of what we've seen of that rap is not going to kill innocent people as not innocent as Claudia is. He's also going to evaluate the situation. He, He's not just going to do the easy thing and spray bullets everywhere. He's going to do the hard thing and suss out the motivations of different people and the context of where they're at in their life. And he sees redeeming qualities in Claudia, not only for the information she gave to help make up for what what she's done to Kennedy in the emails love she has for her baby just by seeing her and just how peaceful she and her young child appeared i can't help but vince as a catholic like th- i see the virgin mary in this scene and this writing coming through maybe that's also my catholic lens looking at this but it's just i can't help but think the love that mother has for child is in line with rap, not wanting to kill or destroy that. Cause, cause there are sacred things to rap and yeah, killing is, is one of the, his sacred things, but there's more important things to life. And rap knows that. And he sees it here and he values that and he recognizes it. But now to Louie, because he does have the gun pointed at his hand, head and he's full of hate He's full of rage. But here's what goes through Rapp's mind. Quote, Rapp stood there in the corner of the room with his gun pointed at the father, mother, and child. What have I turned into? He asked himself. This was his life, or what it would have been if only Anna had lived. He sees what he could have had in this family of mother, father, and daughter. The pain of the last nine months came rolling back and slapped him with the memory of his wife and his unborn child. Standing there, his resolve teetering, he asked himself one simple question. What would Anna do? It was her life he was avenging, avenging, not his own. He could hear her calling out to him as if she were alive and standing right next to him. And then the straw that breaks the camel's back. Louis says, I want to say goodbye. He leans over, kisses the baby, and says goodbye, Anna. And that's one of those moments in storytelling Where all the logic of the universe you created, all the rationality of the characters and who they are, and the consistency of what you built in this fictional universe comes crashing down because of an external force. This explosion of grace shocking and ripping apart everything you thought you knew about this fictional universe, everything the characters thought they knew about this fictional universe – is torn apart and shattered because of nothing but love and grace. And it's so in character for rap to feel that and not ignore it because he's not a hard, hardened, cold blooded killer. He's not one dimensional. He's a human. He's a man. The same way we've seen him crying earlier in the epilogue, I think it was Kennedy or Coleman is talking about, you know, he goes to the explosion site every day and just breaks down. We see him nearly in tears finding out he's going to be a father, you know, where Louie yells at his wife and calls her hormonal and says she's ruining them and, and all this. Rep honestly and sincerely tells Anna this is the best thing that can happen to us, even if it means right, right. he has to lessen his role at the CIA. He's a man. He's a human. And these these vibrations of the universe. Just go through him and rip his heart apart, everything he thought he knew, everything he's been trained to do, everything we've been trained to know that he can do as a reader, we can all let it wash away for one reason. There's a father, there's a mother, there's a child, and the love between them is so powerful and strong. And the redemptive suffering that they're going through was enough to name their baby after someone they killed. An unborn child they killed, they were going to memorialize. With their own flesh and blood being named that name,
1: yeah, and by doing that, knowing that every time they speak her name, yep, they're going to be remembering what they did. And obviously, yeah. this is—I mean, I don't obviously Louis is, feels a little bit bad about it, but we know that Claudia feels very bad about it, very deeply grieved. The fact that, like, you would you would almost think that they would want to distance themselves from that completely yeah. but by naming her anna every time they're like come here anna like oh hi anna like like they're going to
0: recall what they did yeah you know so i don't know it's and they're respecting her they're respecting anna in yes. that by doing that they're yes at such a high level that y- yeah it's okay there's one thing and i brought this up to you and maybe i'm crazy there's one thing in all of literature and art that I come back to with this scene, and it's Les Miserables. You know, if you don't know, you know, the criminal Jean Valjean, his whole life has been, you know, 19 years in a prison camp. He's he's a very hardened man, ex- extraordinarily bad. And this he steals from this bishop, beats him up after he let him into his home, he gave him a meal, gave him a place to stay. And Valjean is just so bad. Nothing can change him. Not even the kindness of this bishop. He beats him. He steals all of his silver. He runs away. The cops catch him. Bring him back. And the bishop says, "I No, I gave that to you as a gift. And he shoes the cops away. And he says, Go free. I forgive you. And he, I have bought your soul for God. And I'm just like, That changes Valjean. And, Val, and this, this bad guy is like, Who are you telling me I have a soul? You, you're forgiving me for this? You can't forgive me for this? And it's like, The forgiveness and the grace comes rushing in to completely change this man and change the trajectory of his life, which is going to have so many ripples. That's what rap is doing here. Everything about the world and universe he knows is shattered for nothing other than an act of love. I mean, that story, it's forgiveness. And here it's just him witnessing a tender moment between father, mother, and child. I just can't help thinking of the holy family in that scene. And it's just... Maybe that's Vince's take on it. Maybe it was not. Maybe it was subconscious, you know. Um, Tolkien never liked allegory, you know, where one thing was a one-on-one analog for this. Right. right. But Tolkien definitely had Christian themes come through in his oh, writing. For sure. So for I'm sure. seeing Vince like there is not an analog here. There is not an exact Christian influence on any of these stories in any way, but just the profound act of love and redemption and forgiveness are themes, I think, in Vince's personal life that nowhere else in his writing come through as strongly as this epilogue. And for me, it makes it a masterpiece of art. I also think that if you look at this novel as a
1: standalone piece, like if we only ever had one Mitch Rapp novel and it was Consent to Kill, I think the arc of Mitch through it all, from the beginning, finding out who he is, we find out he's married, he has this kid, or he's going to have this kid his wife dies he goes on this whole revenge tour and then we have that his redemptive arc almost he he doesn't quite he doesn't go full-fledged and finish that that revenge and he he has remorse he he, he does forgive them in a way yeah in a way by not by not killing them obviously yeah. and i think that everything is within this book is within character yeah you can nit, pick some nits and think like, oh, you know, based on other things, Rap, you know, is a cold, hard person. But I, I, I like I said, I disagree with, with Kyle a little bit here. I, I think that this is fully within the character of Mitch Rapp, And yeah. I don't know, part of the reason why I love this book.
0: Yeah. And maybe I'm reading into it too much. You know, I was a philosophy minor in college. So <laughs> any of our listeners are like, what the heck is he talking about? I don't even know what I'm talking about, to be honest with you, but this, no, this but is good stuff. This is good stuff.
1: That's why we do this podcast. That's why we dissect these books, because yep. I do think there are things you can learn from them, Not maybe not all of them, but from some of them that you can take away as great literature.
0: That's it. That's it. So,
1: what a well, book. That's the book. That's the that's book. That's
0: it. Consent to Kill there it is sent to kill
1: could is most likely top five for most people
0: that is absolutely top five in anybody's book and um i've been critical of some some books in the past you know i do like picking those nits uh this is one you can't really do that in very many places you really can't so we we get to the winners and losers we like to wrap up with a discussion of the covers let's kick off this final segment bring this book to a close What would you like, Chris? What was your winner? What was your loser of this book? Well, so if I had to pick like
1: a standalone winner, I I listened to this via audiobook two times, and I really thought Stephen Lang was the winner of this book. He's the audiobook reader for this book, and I don't know if he's done. I can't recall him doing many of the other ones. I know we had this one guy I didn't like, and then we had George Goodell for a few, and then we have him, and then we pick up George Goodell again. I really enjoyed him. If you guys like audiobooks, if you read any of these via bi- audiobooks, I highly recommend checking out this one. Um, so that's my winner, like sort of outside of the book. The second one, I think Flynn, obviously he's continuing his leveling up for Memorial day. Then has this, you know, piece to resistance in, in consent to kill. And then if I had to pick a winner from the book itself, you know we didn't really get to touch on this a little bit we we missed the the whole scene with kennedy yeah after you know Rapp has killed the um saeed using wahid as as the bomb she lays in to ross and to stokes and to anyone else who was in that meeting in the oval office with the president and you know we see also the scene where she goes to switzerland and is a badass I like seeing Irene like this. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes in the book, she just plays very minor roles, but I like seeing her play an active role. So I think Irene is definitely a big winner and obviously wraps a winner because I mean, I don't know how much winner you can call him considering in this book, he got his wife killed uh, or he, you know, has wife and unborn child, but the second half, he goes full fledged revenge tour has his redemptive arc. You know, shows us that he has a good side. So, wraps my winner. And I think if I had to give a final rating, you know, or I'm, to give my final rating, I'm definitely giving this an A, nine point three, pretty high up on my list. So, what about you,
0: Mike? What's your winners? In- uh, I'm with you. Uh, Kennedy was awesome. It got so much of her maneuvering. I like seeing her on fire, seeing that spark, like a fireball just you know rolling into the Situation Room, rolling into the Oval Office. There's not even a hint that she's nervous about siding or being seen with rap too much or too much on right. rap side. I'm a hundred percent with him, and even professionally, in cabinet meetings, I'm willing to you know put that on the table and that I'm letting him do what he's got to do. So, yeah, love her operating. The winner's got to be the. It's you just heard me, my monologue about it. It's the epilogue, and poetic, man. You got it. It's that. It's um. the action scene in the middle with rap taking down the 13 kills in one scene at the facility, the revenge plot, man, what a winner. Just one, two, three, four, you know, picking these guys off in just creative, badass ways. And it's the cohesion of the team. You know, Kennedy's behind him. Scott's the one who gives him the gun, right? The Glock to, to, to do what he had to do. Wicker's the one who gets this whole thing started by tracking down that crushed over grass in the field across from the house Marcus I mean it's the team man Marcus is on the computer when Kennedy is dealing with the Swiss bankers Kennedy's ace in the hole is if you're not going to give me the account information I'm going to shut down your banks and she has Marcus she says do it he flips a switch and all of a sudden these accounts are frozen for the Swiss banks and they know that won't look good so they cave She's got another ace in the hole. She also says, you know, the president's got a lot of wealthy friends. We can call them all up. He's got a lot of donors who do business with your banks. Let's call them up, say you're supporting terrorism. Tell every wealthy person in America, pull money out of your bank because you support terrorists. Sure, I'll make that phone call. And just what a team effort to have Mitch's back, his brother showing up in a scene, it's brilliant. Yeah,
1: one of the only books I think we see actually
0: Stephen Rapp yeah. like in person with interacting with Mitch. So Yeah. Right, so the only loser I'm going to say is maybe a little drawn out with Greta and tracking down a bell and bringing in Miltz and that whole scene, but still, I liked it. It was fun. It was good action. Tiny bits of pacing here and there, things like that. Maybe a little bit of pacing in the beginning when there's a lot about... In the first half of the book, the money and the transactions, right. I want the extra $2 million. Now hey, you don't need the extra $2 million. Yeah, I can't think of anything else negative to say, so I'm going to join you. I'm going to join you at 9.3. This oh, discussion, right. Right. this chat here convinced me of it with a solid A-. minus. Right about to jump up to that A level, but I still like Memorial Day.
1: I like Memorial Day better, and that's why I'm ranking it below Memorial Day. So Memorial yeah. Day was a 9.4 for me. So,
0: And I think point seven or something for me, slightly below Memorial Day, but it's up there with Transfer Power, which is my other you know, just absolute favorite. So right. I got Memorial Day, I got Transfer, I got Consent and Term Limits. So far, rounding out my top four, those ones are just doing it for me. All right. So let's
1: quickly talk about the title. What's in a Name? So we have Consent to Kill, and we get actually throughout the book – a couple of different instances of that exact line coming up. You want to, yes. You want to share some of those with
0: us, Mike? Yeah. You know, I was surprised we get one pretty early. Yeah. We get one really early. Chapter one, chapter one, uh, Kennedy says you have my consent when she's talking about the opening scene of hitting the imam, sponsoring terrorism in Montreal. That's where rap jumps out of the alley, takes the guys net guy down, puts him in a headlock. Um, showing right from the get-go the events of Memorial Day rocked the intelligence community and the U.S. government, right? Right. Like, we're going to greenlight stuff we haven't greenlit that easy in the past. We have Senator Walsh and Hartsburg willing to work with rap on intelligence stuff when they were usually the Democratic goons trying to, you know, sideline the intelligence community there on board. And then we get a random use of um, yeah. consent to kill. Do you remember this one when Rap's talking about one of his instructors at the farm? Right, he just randomly says,
1: hell no, this is the best damn job in the world. Your government gives you the consent to go in, out and kill terrorists. For guys like us, it doesn't get any better than that. And I just thought it was great, like this little intertwining one-off line working in the title there a little bit. Um, I don't know, I really enjoyed that that line.
0: I think... That might be the point where Vince thought of American Assassin, the idea yeah. of going back in rap's training, because that's some like one off conversation or or time period when Mitch is thinking like, oh, remember that guy, Mike, who trained me? I asked him, you know, do you really enjoy what you're doing? Is this all worth it? And he says, yes, yeah, best jam job in the world. Consent to go out and kill terrorists. I wonder if that's where uh, Vince was like, there's a really good story there. Could be. Yeah. Be. But the main one comes chapter 43, just about in the middle of the book. So if you think the explosion, you know, being this center point or this focal point of changing the the pace of the narrative, that's also where we have in the situation room. President Hayes say he's now running for reelection. And then he says, quote, unofficially, Irene, he has my consent to kill anyone who has a direct hand in this. And that launches, perhaps my favorite part of the book, this revenge plot that takes us to the end. So, great title. Nailed the title. title. Awesome title. Yeah, one of the best. Just like one of the best top five books, easily top five titles. I even
1: feel like, in our discussion with Kyle, he said that sometimes the title, you know, the book's written and they don't have a title. I feel like maybe in this case, it could work either way. Like, you have the title and you try to work it in the novel. But I feel like maybe they didn't have the title. and then. They there's these these four or five lines where they say this and it's like boom that has to be it Yep. consent to kill so yep.
0: that's it well what do you think should we should we get to the covers
1: yeah let's do it let's, let's talk it.
0: about the covers
1: so we had quite a bit you were able to dig up a little bit more than what we normally have we had ten yeah. covers ten yeah ten covers so my personal favorite was. A, we posted these on our social media podcast. And I think classic. that was overwhelming the The favorite from most people. It's the classic one. It's like, to describe it, it's like the American flag, uh, waving. Um, I like the to- like the color of it, like the um, sort of dull tone of the American flag, a little bit of shadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the cover that was we mentioned last time was paired with the uh, Crown Royal Vanilla. Yes, yeah, right? Stephen um,
0: Hendricks on Facebook. Okay. Yes. His drink
1: pairings. Um, uh, one of the other ones I did like number B, or sorry, not number letter B, uh, which is, <laughs> I guess it's a man. Obviously, we have a dark man looking in somewhere in the capital city. Is that like a? Uh, I
0: don't know. Yeah, some one of the federal buildings. It looks like yeah. maybe an overpass. Maybe those are pillars for a road.
1: I'm not sure. Could be. But I just I don't know. For some reason, I like that that cover yeah. a lot.
0: You get the crossover. The um the yeah. um. The radar concentric circles must have a name. Yeah, but there's your kill shot, right? Yeah, exactly. And the dark, the dark colors, right? The black fade to white and gray in the middle. I like. That's what I like about it the most. Have we seen a black and white cover? I mean,
1: Mm, I don't don't know. I feel like black. It was interesting that Kyle said that they like to stay away from white
0: covers because they get really dirty. Yeah, that's right. I never thought about that before. So yeah. So A and B got a lot of love being the classic ones. But what I enjoyed finding out was. E, F, and G are all action scenes. Like, we we really don't often see fully armed to the hilt characters on these covers. But F, you got a guy, like, fast roping in, pointing, you know, a machine gun out, full mask it looks like. None of these,
1: like, really pertain to this novel, but... Well,
0: E. E is kind of unique, and it's kind of muddied because there's a lot going on. But if you zoom in... So it's like a purplish red. There's a man. If you're trying to make that Mitch rap, well, sorry, you missed it. But there's a man. And underneath him is an explosion, an explosion. scene with a fire truck, a car on fire, a building on fire. And the architecture to me looks very, very Middle East, Mid-Eastern. So, so I'm wondering the, explosion. the suicide vest. Yeah. If that was Wahid and Saeed blowing up in Riyadh, the capital which is kind of cool to see a direct scene from the book on a cover but it was somewhat of a minor scene all things said it's clearly right. not the Maryland house on the Chesapeake with palm trees see i thought stucco. i thought that would have
1: been a been a better like cover would have been like the Chesapeake Bay a house on yep. the Chesapeake Bay and it exploding yep i guess avid rap readers wouldn't know what that could potentially signal not that mm-hmm. you, you don't have to show any like bodies or anything, but like it could just show that rap's house got blown up. But then like other people would think like, Oh my God, this is cool. You know, this is crazy. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I thought
0: that would have been a good cover. Yeah. Something referencing the house in the Chesapeake would have been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Or Jeez, just, just not even having to blow up, just like have a house on the Chesapeake. Yeah, that's true. It's like this one H it randomly has some minarets and a skyline of an Islamic city and like, Okay, but is that really the most important storyline here? Although the colors are cool, it's got these browns. Yeah, I, I and like reds. I like. I like that color scheme. We always get one that's artistic, like it's artistic and compositionally really well done. But it's we never really like it. I, that's H for me. It's just artistically sure. great, but doesn't sure. exactly fit. We have
1: a running man. Running man, indeed. Running
0: man. Kyle likes the running man. Apparently, he does like the running man. man. And, and then we cover don't seat, have. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Doesn't deserve an
0: ounce of our time. So I'm going to give it 10 <laughs> seconds and move on. There's a man standing on an empty road, and there's a sign that says 25 miles an hour and right turn. <laughs> don't make a left turn. Says right turn. And in the background, very small in the background, is power one telephone lines. pole, and there is a power line running through that telephone pole. That's all I'm going to say. No more. All right. G <laughs> is I think Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even going to pronounce it <laughs> Yeah, Fuck cover C. But G's got this badass dude looking down a scope, ready to light the world on fire. No one really lo- uses a scoped assault rifle and, and a laser sight uh, in this. And he's wearing goggles. So I'm like, I don't know. But it's pretty badass. If that was the cover of like Call of Duty but or something.
1: I like the title of it. Op de
0: Hjager, which translates to Hunt for the Hunter that's yeah, pretty cool and the yeah I like that one a lot yeah cover A I think was by and far the favorite it's the classic the American flag and that was David the Bus Brown publicist of rap books at Atria that was his favorite cover of all time wow yes okay. indeed yes indeed all he right. loves it so alright look at that well there you oh, go Chris that was fun that's consent to kill Congratulations, little Adeline is beautiful. Thank you. You didn't name Thank her Anna. Very much. No, I did not name her Anna.
1: Was Anna <laughs> on the short list? Uh, too close to the heart, you know. I couldn't couldn't do
0: that. Did it make top five? Was it was it in the race? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, there's too many Anna's already. In. There's like an Ann, two Anns. And Anna and Anne Marie. So In the family,
0: yeah. Yeah. So You mean your short list wasn't Irene, Anna, Maureen, <laughs> um, Donatella, <laughs> Claudia, Greta, Claudia. You sure? Okay. Right. No, no, sorry. well maybe sorry. number four. Maybe maybe number four. Maybe.
1: Maybe number four. I'll have a Scott Coleman Furman. Scott, Charlie, Marcus, Milt. Oh, Wicker Coleman. There we go. Wicker Coleman. <laughs>
0: You should you should just give a bunch of middle names to cover everything. Your, your next kid's going to have like six middle names Vince. Wicker,
1: Wicker Coleman, Dumond. Kyle. Vince, Kyle, Berman. Yeah, there you go. All right. This is fun. This is fun. That was a good pot. Good pot. All right. So, what are we doing next week?
0: Next week, we are going to have an episode <laughs> about <laughs> rap things. <laughs> Okay, consent to kill got a little away from us. We had so much going on with this book, so much in our personal lives and your personal life for sure. So we're not sure if we're ready to jump into act of treason next week. So we might have a bonus pod coming out for you. We are halfway through all of the rap books. We've covered nine. And you know, there's only 19 currently published term limits would be 20. So we're about halfway through, so we're going to consider bringing you a kind of midpoint summary episode next week, and uh, please look out for that.
1: All right. So as we always have to do, we need to thank our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., and our special agents, Matt, George, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, and Jeff. Please, we can't say this enough, subscribe, rate, and review us using your favorite podcasting platform, five stars only. You can find us online at mittrapod.com or using our Twitter handle and Instagram handle at mitchrappod. Please also head to our website, uh sign up for our email list to subscribe and be entered into that contest to get your signed copy of Consent to Kill. Or get a chance to win a signed copy of Consent to Kill. Wish, I wish I could give everyone a, a signed copy of Consent to Kill. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster. But thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.